Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, welcome back. Today we are discussing the 1991 horror comedy from, I'm going to butcher this name, Ate De Jong. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of pronounce it like Dijon. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Anyway, it's Highway to Hell. This movie was made on a budget of $7.5 million and made $26,055 at the box office. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, filmed and completed in 1989, and then the director decided to shelve it until a limited release in. 1991 eight theaters yes something like eight theaters it was insane yeah it was extremely limited release thus the twenty six thousand dollar box office then it went to (laughs) video where it has attracted a cult following rated r 91 minutes long it's got a 53 percent audience rating on rotten tomatoes i will say this about the movie it's mostly shot on location, and the locations are just gorgeous. Yeah. It, it, this movie's got a lot going for it. There's just one thing I hate about it is uh, the damn soundtrack. <laughs> the soundtrack it, is awful. It is so damn awful. And like with a title like Highway for Hell and like with the imaging, you know, like the posters and stuff. You think there's going to be like a heavy metal, like, oh, hell yeah, you know, kind of like Black Roses, you know? No, uh, no, you got 80s no. soft rock. It sounds like an episode of Melrose Place or like <laughs> Beverly Hills 90210. It's just god awful. Yeah. Movie was shot in Phoenix and Page, Arizona, with parts of it filmed in Antelope Canyon and Glen Canyon, Utah. I mean, the, yeah, the location shots for this one are just absolutely gorgeous. Some of the green screen outdoor shots are stupid, but the the actual locations are beautiful. I don't think I've ever seen any of these locations in like other movies. And if I have like, you know, like, like usually when they go to shoot to the desert and stuff, it's it's the same rock formation. It's like Vasquez Rock, you know, like all of right. those Star Trek episodes. Or the this old one is dry like lake that. bed. Yeah. This is totally not like that. You know, right. this is like amazing. Yeah. Glen Canyon is, I believe, where that, that sandstone canyon that's got the nice curvy, trippy looking tunnels and stuff. Where that stainless steel obelisk was planted a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. I remember that guy. Yeah. As we said, this was directed by Dutch film director, writer, and producer Ate de Jong, best known for the Rotterdam bombing, Deadly Virtues, Love, Honor, Obey. And I don't care what anybody says, I like this movie, Drop Dead Fred. Yeah, uh, like this was filmed before Drop Dead Fred, and somehow Drop Dead Fred hit theaters before this movie. Yeah, yeah, because he just sat on it. Yeah. Written by Academy Award winner Brian Helgeland, known for A Knight's Tale, Man on Fire, L.A. Confidential, Mystic River, 
and the 2010 release of Robin Hood that starred Russell Crowe, not that other guy. <laughs> I love LA Confidential. Uh, Mystic River was great. Like, this guy's, you know, he knows what he's doing. Was Mystic River that Sean Penn thing? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I did see. Holy crap, there are 39 stunt people in this movie. Most of them, I guess, are stunt drivers, but there is yeah. some fight choreography, so so maybe there's some stunt people doing that. But I guess most of them are um, stunt drivers for the big scene that we'll see coming up. Model builder Steve Neal. This is the guy who made Spock's ears for Star Trek The Motion Picture. <laughs> <laughs> He also worked on Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, our very first episode, Laser Blast, Ghostbusters, Fright Night, and Battle Beyond the Stars. He also worked on It's Alive 3, Island of Alive, The Return of the Swamp Thing, and did mechanical effects for Galaxy of Terror. Oh, terror. Yeah, another like Roger Corman like produced crazy-ass guy. Right. I just I love his work. Yeah, he does fantastic stuff. He also did visual effects on The Last Sharknado. <laughs> <laughs> Stick to your roots, son. <laughs> yeah. Practical makeup effects by Steve Johnson. The practical makeup effects in this movie are incredible. Yeah, Steve Johnson is the man. Uh, he was married to Scream Queen Linnea Quigley. Yeah. Uh, he he would make masks for Michael Jackson so Michael Jackson can like go out in public. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, he he did all kinds of crazy shit. But yeah, that guy, especially in this movie, and like just background characters, like crazy looking. You know, he's like inspired by like uh, kind of like uh, Clive Barker and stuff. It's, it's really dark and demented. Yeah, I can see that. This guy did work on Species, Species 2, Blade 2, Men in Black, The Stand, Stargate SG-1, The Howling 7. Yeah. He also no. did uh, effects for the Primus music video for Winona's Big Brown Beaver. Um, yeah, the out- creepy battery people. Yeah. The Outer Limits, Return of the Living Dead 3, Here Come the Monsters, and Charmed. Here Come the Monsters. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Special makeup effects by Catherine James, known for Men in Black, The Adams Family, Adams Family Values, Mr. Deeds, Legally Blonde 2, Scorpion, and The Fugitive. Match ups. Yeah, there are some really accomplished people who worked on this film before they were well known. And some of them, maybe um, even after. Yeah. Set dresser Linda Burbank, known for The Hitcher, Sid and Nancy, Repo Man, Mad About You, The Gina Davis Show, Mike and Molly, and that Matt LeBlanc show, Man Without a Plan. Matt LeBlanc and Kevin Nealon and Stacey Keach, all in one TV show. How could that, <laughs> how could that not win? <laughs> I don't know. Was it on USA Network or something? No, no it I, was I don't on. That. I think it was CBS. Oh, there you go. It was just canceled uh, last year, I think. I've never even heard of it. I don't kind of want to see this show now. It was it was funny in a cornball way, but you know, it just didn't catch on. Movie stars Chad Lowe as Charlie Sykes. He appeared in Entourage, Life Goes On, Supergirl, Pretty Little Liars, Twenty Four, ER, and Melrose Place. Chad Lowe. 
I kind of like him in this. He's, you know what he is, especially with the wife beater t-shirt. He's Emilio Estevez in Repo Man. <laughs> I don't know. He looks like if they like films, leave it to Beaver in the 90s or something. Like, <laughs> he's overly wholesome looking and just, he's supposed to be like, I don't know, like, 19 20 years old he looks like he's 15 or something yeah he does which is really weird when you set him across from christy swanson as rachel clark who's also supposed to be 19 but she looks 28 yeah oh man i love christy swanson she's Uh, known for buffy the vampire slayer ferris bueller's day off dude where's my car seal team knots landing and psych she was also in this movie, like a college movie called Higher Learning or something. It was really dope. She's a great actress. I don't see her anywhere recently, though. No. Except, well, SEAL Team is currently running on Paramount+. Plus. It was on CBS for a couple seasons. And then rather than cancel it, they just moved it to their streaming service. Man, I really got to get Paramount+. Plus. Richard Farnsworth is Sam. This guy's a legend. He's been a character. Oh, he was man. a character actor. From 1937 until the year before he died in 1999, he's been in just about every Western, including The Big Valley, Laramie, Bonanza. He was in Blazing Saddles. He was in Little House on the Prairie, Highway to Heaven, and The Boys of Twilight. He also, like, I don't know, there's something about his voice, like, like when you when he delivers a like a line like all his performances come to you you know and shit yes like, every time you hear his voice it's, it's weird yeah yeah he's he's one he's got that voice that you don't remember who it is but you know you've heard it and you know where you've heard it yeah i'm like oh you're, you're the bad guy and uh tell two <laughs> jakes or whatever yes yeah patrick bergen as Beazle. this guy he's a irish actor Known for Sleeping with the Enemy, Patriot Games, and Lawnmower Man 2 Beyond Cyberspace. He's also appeared in a whole bunch of British and Irish TV, including Wild Bill, Red Rocks, and EastEnders. Yeah, I remember like back in the 90s seeing this guy in everything. So, but I, like, I watched a lot of European stuff, like British shit. So, but like, yeah, I remember him like being everywhere. Yeah. Jarrett Lennon as Adam. This guy, he's made a he did make a successful transition from child actor to adult actor, which is pretty rare. Not many people do it. And a lot of the people that you would think could do it don't. Like, you know, Ricky Schroeder, who got into acting as in his teens, you would think that's late enough. He can make the transition to adult actor. Never made it. But Jared uh-huh. Lennon did. He's appeared as Ludlow Tortelli in Cheers. He was also in L.A. Law, The Wonder Years. He's got voice credits in Two Stupid Dogs and Hey Arnold. Also appeared in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Gilmore Girls, Judging Amy, Entourage, and Grounded for Life. He's annoying as hell in this fucking movie, though. I don't care. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to hell for saying this. Um, he reminds me of the new spokes kid for the Shriners commercials. That sounds like a little mouse voice. Yeah, it's like, gee, I need to shut up. I'm going to get us in so much trouble for saying stuff like this. <laughs> I don't know. He's like, he's like annoying as hell. 
it's like um, I don't know. It just he, every time he's on screen, there's something with his voice that just freaks me out. It's just yeah. like he does have a very high pitched voice, and he's super super peppy. Yeah, it's like a kid. Uh, you know, like a speed racer, his little brother. Yeah, that was always hiding in the trunk. That's this kid, <laughs> but like, and totally annoying. You know. Yeah. Movie opens with opening credits on a greetings from postcard with a theme song that I can only imagine is titled Hey, Hey, Yeah, Yeah. No, man. Because those are the lyrics. Hey, 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 yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah. Also, it's like it's like a crappy uh, credits thing. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like it, they sh- they show the entire credits of the movie. Like now movies, it's like. While the movie's happening, you'll get like whoever's starring in the movie, you know? Right. And a couple of like principal uh, credits. This one is like they go through the entire cast list on this postcard. If you look on IMDb, there is a a review written by the guy who did the credits who said that the budget for the credits was about a buck 98, not one hundred and ninety eight dollars, a dollar and ninety eight cents. Well, you know, it shows. (laughs) That, that, yeah, that's one of the things I had about this movie is the music and like yes, the way it's presented. It looks like a wacky early nineties TV comedy. Yes. You know? Like it, it looks like some Fox would put on like on Sunday afternoons or something. Right. I don't know why I agree from hell, but yeah. Seven and a half million dollar budget. Most of it went into renting out every Volkswagen Beetle they could find, but uh, none of it went into <laughs> The opening credits or the music. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Makeup looks fantastic. The music sucks ass. <laughs> Cut to a diner. There's a motorcycle cop playing a Highway to Hell video game, which looks kind of like Pole Position or maybe Rad Racer. Yeah, totally Rad Racer. Yeah. Charlie and Rachel are at a nearby table. Charlie is convinced that this cop is watching them. It appears that they are running away to Las Vegas to elope. And Charlie thinks Rachel's parents called the cops. Rachel says, don't worry. Nobody knows except my mom. I left her a note. (laughs) Well, that's it. Charlie says they got to leave. And as they leave, the cop turns and stares at them. And Charlie kind of waves. Real not suspicious like, and they head out. Uh, the cop follows. Charlie's got a dog with him in the back seat of his Ford Pinto. Oh God! <laughs> he holds a piece of hamburger between his teeth and lets the dog just lick it out of his mouth. So you know the way that you do, you know, <laughs> when you're totally not. No. Also, he's, he's got a pizza sign on top a of his huge car. pizza sign. For Nunzio's Pizzeria. And, you know, it's not like the aerodynamic signs that you see now that are lengthwise on the car. No, this is a big pizza sign standing up like a damn sail uh, uh, or parachute on the top of his car. Yeah, it's ugly as shit. Not only is it like a Fort Pinto, but it's like a Fort Pinto with like an ugly pizza sign on it. <laughs> It's like he's delivering pizzas on his way to go to Vegas to get married. It's fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, Charlie goes to back out of the parking lot and the motorcycle cop that they were the cop that they were worried about. I guess he's not a motorcycle cop. I'm not sure. Maybe he is because 
later on we see a cop car following them but this guy's got a motorcycle helmet for some reason yeah. well charlie nearly backs into him and then they leave they're going down the highway at night and the cop is still following them so charlie decides well we'll we'll find out for sure whether or not he's following us and they get off on an exit for a back road and the cop just keeps as charlie gets out his map he wants to take the back roads rachel's not sure about that because it's dark i mean cars have headlights but uh -huh. she would feel better on the interstate where it is also dark they talk about it charlie says trust me and then rachel gives him a big kiss in front of the nunzio's pizza sign while their dog looks on going oh <laughs> Back in the car, they start making out, and Rachel's seat drops all the way back flat. But she doesn't want to have sex in the car. She wants to have sex in a bed with no clothes on. And Charlie hears no clothes on, and he's all in. Let's go. We're going to go to Las <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> Steps on it and burns out. Yeah. <laughs> well, they got to stop and get gas at this back roads filling station called Sam's Last Chance. It's the middle of the night, and, you know, as there always is, there's an old guy sitting on the front porch in one of those metal chairs with no back legs, so it'll kind of rock, and he's got a rear-view mirror attached to it. <laughs> yeah, the place is pretty cool looking, though. I mean, it's got, like, this weird neon vibe going on, and, like, really, really old-school-timey, like, yes. uh, gas pumps. Antique gas pumps mounted on top of Roman columns, and it's really awesome. This was back when, uh, in order to get gas, they would actually pump the gas up into a glass jar that had gallon markings on it, and then that would gravity feed into your tank, and they would look at the markings to see how many gallons, and then do the math in their head to figure out how much they owed you. Yeah, so it's like a weird ass place at the time, you know. It's it's really cool looking. Yeah, full service gas station, so it is pay at the pump. <laughs> As the guy is putting the gas in the car, he decides to clean the windshield, and he does a old man creepy jump scare. As he very dramatically wipes that windshield, and hey, he's kind of grinning at the way he made Rachel jump. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's paying for the gas and sniffing the old snacks available in the stand <laughs> just to see how stale they really are, I guess. They're old as fuck. <laughs> There's a sign there that says free coffee if you want it. Now, Sam warns Charlie, you know, he'd be much better off taking the interstate. These roads need a lot of work and he's got the wrong car for it, whatever that means. Um, I think this was after they knew that Ford Pintos would explode if you tap the back bumper. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is way, way after. <laughs> That's OK, though, because Charlie knows what he's doing, right? He's like a teenager. So cool it, old man. I know what I'm doing. Except Charlie's. <laughs> Charlie's car won't start, and that's where Rachel comes to the rescue because, like, you know, she took a shop class so she can fix the car. She gets out and looks under the hood, and Sam's there to hold the hood for her, and she starts checking a few wires and goes to close the hood, and Sam is holding that hood up. He's not going to let her close it till he gets done grinning at her, I guess. He's trying to convince her that, you know, they, they really don't need to take the back roads. They really should really should just stick to the interstate sam also offers them 
tells them they can spend the night in his cabin back behind the gas station. It's got clean sheets and no charge. You can just stay there. But they're not good. They're not going to do that. So he tells them to watch for two Joshua trees. And don't pull over until you pass the second one. Driving down the road, Charlie is explaining that you know, he's a Navy brat. Didn't have a lot of friends growing up. He's always moving from place to place. But, you know, Rachel really, um, you know, made him feel special or whatever. He's just spilling his guts to, to this girl. And then he looks over and sees she's sound asleep. She didn't hear any of this crap. <laughs> <laughs> He said, oh, great. I'm just sitting here talking to myself. Isn't that right, Ben? And he looks back and the dog, that's Ben. He's he's asleep, too. (laughs) So everybody's asleep. That means, well, Charlie's going to get sleepy, too. And he falls asleep driving down the road. He actually runs off the road near a billboard. Uh, Parks behind the billboard is a cop, you know, because if you're going to fall asleep behind the wheel, you're going to do it near a cop. Yeah. Well, the cop takes off after him. Charlie stops where he is. The cop pulls up behind him. And as he steps out of the car, his boot lands on the asphalt and the asphalt immediately melts and starts bubbling. Yeah. The cop gets out of the car. He's got a big ass gun. I don't know who the prop maker was who made that gun, but good for you, buddy. Yeah, it's huge as shit. It looks like a legal on steroids or something. I don't know. It's massive. And then he gets his, his billy club out. And notice that his belt, you know, his Batman utility belt, has a pentagram belt buckle. There's no way that can be. Yeah, that's not good at all. Not in Arizona. Also, also he's wearing mirrored shades in the middle of the night. And it's kind of cool because they don't have the, you know, the arms that go back over your ears. They just kind of stop on his forehead, almost like they're made into his head. Yeah. Well, he walks up to the car and the cops and Charlie said, what seems to be the problem, officer? Well, the problem was you can't drive, dumbass. Also, this cop has the coolest handcuffs ever. It's a chain with a hand on either end of it. Man, those things, that prop is so expensive. Oh, like I bet. Two pairs. I had one just for looks, and then they had one that actually was fully animatronic and like could do like you know shoot the bird and every finger <laughs> and digit. Like, so yeah, a big chunk of the uh, money probably went to those just that one set of handcuffs. Yeah, yeah. Out of the seven and a half million dollars, this probably cost three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In in a case locked down, and it only got taken out whenever they needed to shoot that scene. You know, it was exactly they were important. But it was kind of cool. You see him pick them up by the chain, and then the fingers just flex. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. The cop walks around. He just ignores Charlie and walks around to Rachel's side of the car and rips the door off the car. He pulls Rachel out and drags her off. He puts one of the handcuffs on her. And by that, I mean, he holds one of the hands over to her arm and it grabs her by the wrist. The dog, Mr. Ben, he jumps out of the car and and attempts to attack the cop. But the cop smacks him with the uh, flashlight and knocks him out across the hood of Charlie's car. Charlie climbs out the window. I don't know why he climbed out the window instead of opening. the. But he climbs out the window and he goes after the cop and the cop knocks him out, too. Then the cop 
finishes putting the cuffs on Rachel and stuffs her into the back of the cop car. And while he's doing that, Rachel has this thin little gold bracelet that falls off onto the street. The cop drives off with Rachel and every few seconds, flame shoots out of his back tires. Next to see Mr. Ben, he's licking Charlie's face to wake him up. The dog's okay. Charlie's okay, too. He finds Charlie's drop or finds Rachel's dropped bracelet and she and the cop are gone. So he heads back to Sam. Sam tells Charlie about the unseen road out that way, the highway to hell. And then he shows Charlie a bunch of newspaper articles about pretty young girls who all disappeared on that road, which, uh, man, if, if it wasn't Sam telling the story, I would think Sam's taking all these young girls. Well, he says like this one, like he has one picture, like this one was my girlfriend. Right. And he disappeared traveling. And then he brings out newspaper articles and it's like, these are all other girls that disappeared out there. And it kind of, yeah, it kind of looks like, but it's like, like the sweetest old man. He's just weird. But yeah, yeah. uh, it goes into this whole, uh, you know, triad about like, you know, we got this and that. And, uh, then he gives him a gun that's like supposed to be made out of magical stuff. Yeah. He gives was- Charlie a sawed off shotgun. That was a gift from Clara. It's got little seashell decorations all over it that he says she made out of a part of a hubcap. Yeah. So, like, I guess that's when he lost his girl. It was when he got that shotgun. I don't know. Yeah. Sam tells the story of of when he and his girlfriend, Clara, were coming out this way from Oklahoma to try to find work in the in the 1940s. I guess it was around 1942. Late 30s, early 40s, somewhere around there. And uh, he was going down that same stretch of road and he fell asleep behind the wheel. And that's when the hell cop came and took his girlfriend, Clara. And he's been trying to get her back, but he can't figure out a way to do it. So he gives Charlie the special sawed off shotgun and he's got a coffee can with a handful of special shotgun shells they're white shotgun shells with a symbol drawn on them with a sharpie yeah then he takes charlie to the garage and he gives him an antique hot rod because well your ford pinto is the wrong car for that kind of road yeah and it's a badass car it's a sweet car it's like a zz top car or something yeah not that pimped out but it's still pretty cool and it's it's solid white too so it's kind of like an old western analogy of like dude on a white horse you know right this movie is very derivative but it it it's still an entertaining story yeah it's kind of the story of orpheus it's kind of a western it's kind of mad max it's kind of crossroads but a little bit uh, yeah you know but uh yeah it's still it's still a an original telling of a very old story. Really heavy on originality. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like, it's kind of weird, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, the, a person who had a normal childhood did not write this story. Oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah, no. This was a messed up kid who wrote this story. Well, Charlie is moving all of his stuff out of his Ford Pinto into Sam's hot rod. And he drops this teddy bear that has an alarm clock in it. And Sam sets the clock and tells him that if he can't get back within 24 hours, 
he'll be stuck in hell. Finally, Sam tells him to drive back and forth between those two Joshua trees. And if you really believe, you'll be able to pass into hell. And then, of course, Charlie drives off before Sam can tell him that there's something special in that car. Another cliched like movie thing. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention there's something in the. Oh, never mind. I'll just go figure it out. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly the what it was. Well, Charlie's, yeah. Charlie's got to try a few times before he gets it right. And while he's trying to get to hell, he's just flying down this road. So, of course, a cop is going to pull him over for speeding. He thinks it's the hell cop behind him. Yeah. So he gets the shotgun ready and the cop comes up to his window and he puts that shotgun right in the cop's face. But it's not hell cop. It's a real cop this time. And they both stop and then they both go, oh, shit. Oh, shit. I lost my punch. Every time I see that scene, I know it's coming and stuff, but every time, just that reaction of them both saying, oh shit, I, just, I lose. Like, this is where you're like, okay, this is going to be a good movie. Yeah. Well, Charlie just puts the gun down and takes off. And the cop follows with lights and siren blaring. Uh, they head down the road, and Charlie's believing just as hard as he can. And about the time he gets to that second Joshua tree, a portal opens up and Charlie disappears. Well, the cop stops. He can't figure out where Charlie went. So he gets out of the car and you hear someone on the radio saying, what year did you say that car was? Charlie is in the desert now and it's daytime. And there's a billboard there with a parody of the old Carl Malden American Express commercial instead of American Express don't leave home without it this is pandemonium express card you'll be sorry you left home at all <laughs> oh man that aged well <laughs> yeah but uh yeah that uh this is where it's like oh, okay this is gonna be like some kind of weird surreal oh man I can't talk right now <laughs> surrealistic uh like hellscape where it's just like parodying off of like 80s and 90s excess living and shit. And it is, it's like the anti hell or something. It's like just desert uh, crap, you know, uh, like gas stations with nobody there, you know, and like yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like all of the conveniences that don't work, that's hell. Yeah. Well, Charlie and Ben head down the road to Hell City. Meanwhile, Hellcop and Rachel are stopping at a desert dino called Pluto's. And they've got the great big donut sign, like the iconic Randy's Donuts sign. Yeah. But it says Pluto's on it. And what's hell for a cop? It's a diner where you can't get service and all the newspapers are locked. <laughs> the cook, played by Ben Stiller, is actually cooking outside on the sidewalk because it's hot as hell in hell. Yeah. So it's, he's just like smashing eggs on, on the sidewalk and like, uh, you know, he's just got like a rack of meat out there and stuff. Right. He's also, just... hey, uh, Ben Stiller, his first film role was this movie. This was his first? Yeah, it's his first movie. Oh, my God. Uh, it's weird. Uh, they got his dad, right? They got his whole family. So Jerry... Yeah, his dad... His dad and his 
mom came as a package deal and only because the stipulation said, oh, you got to put our kids in it. Okay. And that's how, yeah, all of them are there. <laughs> Inside, the donuts are in a display case that is also chained up. And the boots are full of dead people covered with cobwebs. The waitress, she's behind the counter, but she's talking nonstop. This is Ann Mira. This is Ben Stiller's mom. Talking crazy shit, too. I mean, the <laughs> shit that is coming out of this woman's mouth is just, it's not like vulgar or anything, but you, you kind of get a hint that it might be. Yeah. Like and, some kind of coast or something. You just want her to shut the hell up and she's not going to do it. Oh, it's just like the most annoying waitress ever. <laughs> Jerry Stiller is the desk cop. He's at the counter trying to get some coffee. He just wants some cup of coffee. Can I please get a cup of coffee? But she, she's top telling her story. She's telling her story and, and she can't be bothered to fill up his coffee. She, find, she tells him, isn't that funny? Why aren't you laughing? And so he laughs, but she doesn't pour him coffee. She just... uh Goes on with more of her story. That's when Hellcop walks in. Hellcop walks in and he can get service apparently. She sets down a saucer with two donuts on it. The donuts that are locked up that none of the other cops can get. And pours him a cup of coffee that is boiling goo. She really sucks at making coffee. <laughs> it, it, you, it's hell. You can't get a decent pot of coffee anywhere. That's it's true. That's true. Molasses. You can't. A helicopter sits down after he handcuffs Rachel to the counter and he picks up his cup of coffee. The desk cop, he wants coffee. <laughs> Hellcop's got coffee. So he starts trying to distract him. Hey, look behind you. Here, can you do this with your hands so that you have to let go of your coffee cup? <laughs> <laughs> Just all kinds of dumb stuff. He finally gets him to look away. And he grabs the saucer that a little bit of coffee dribbled into. And he tries to get away through the crowd. But Hellcop isn't going to let that happen. And he turns around and the sea parts. And there's Jerry. There's the desk cop there. He's trying to lick the coffee off of this saucer. But before he can even get a taste, Hellcop shoots him with his magic gun, zapping him away to some other place. That, uh, that zap effect is really cool. Yeah, it is. We'll see that a couple times. Yeah. Well, during all this disturbance, Rachel actually grabs Hellcop's cup of coffee and she dumps it on the handcuffs, which burns them and causes them to let go. And she escapes and runs out of the diner. Outside, she can't get in the car because the door handles have disappeared. So she runs down the road and Hellcop follows her because... Well, you know, that waitress that can't be helpful enough to get anybody anything to drink. She's real helpful about telling Mr. Hellcop that girl just ran right out the door. <laughs> Before he can get there, though, a motorcycle gang shows up led by Royce. She wants Royce to help or help her get away from Hellcop. And he says, sure, we'll do that. Except what we'll do to you will be twice as bad as what he's going to do. <laughs> Uh, Royce explains to her that the only way out is if uh, she gets sent back to do his work. And then he kisses the girl on the motorcycle, who's got her back to the camera the whole time, until she looks at Rachel and we find out this is Sam's girlfriend, Clara. Only she has not aged a day. Yeah, it's the old guy from the gas station. This is his love of his life, and she's out here with this biker gang. 
Yeah. Which uh, the leader of the biker gang I thought was cool. Uh, he was in the stand. Yes, he was. With uh, Rob Lowe. And then he's in this movie with uh, Chad Lowe. Yes. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> Royce pushes Rachel over to Clara and Clara holds on to her while Royce confronts Hellcop. Big sword versus big gun. And we've seen Indiana Jones, so I know who wins this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Royce makes a deal with Hellcop. He will give Rachel back and keep quiet about Hellcop letting her get away from him. But Hellcop's going to owe him a favor. And Hellcop agrees to that. Meanwhile, Charlie gets flagged down by a hitchhiker played by the lead guitarist of the Runaways, Lita Ford. Oh, man. She's wearing this white dress and fuzzy boots that look like a gateway computer's box. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I see that. She says she can help Charlie find Hellcop and get Rachel back. And Charlie agrees to take her with him. And then she asks if he has room for two and steps aside as an ice cream man with an ice cream scoop attacks Charlie through the passenger window. Oh, my God. So, like, it goes from, like, sexually frustrated to, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm going to die in, like, three seconds. It's like yes. a Looney tune. Exactly. Because the whole time, the whole time he's talking to her, she is bent over at the waist, leaning in the passenger window with this low-cut dress on, and Charlie can't talk to her without looking at her boobs. Yeah. He keeps looking down at her boobs and then look back up to her to say something and then back down to the boobs. You know, the way you do. And it goes from that to like this fat, greasy, like uh, middle-aged ice cream attendant is right. like on top of his car. Well, Ben bites the guy, the ice cream man's arm as Charlie drives off. The ice cream man is is hanging, hanging through the window yelling, I'm going to scoop your brains. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Repeatedly over and over. It's not just once, just over and over. Yeah. Charlie drives off and the ice cream man is hanging on the side of the car. But the next I mean, it just cuts. And somehow the ice cream man's up on top of the car. And he looks in the window yelling, I'm going to scoop your brains. And Charlie takes the shot, sawed off shotgun and just blows a hole all the way through the ice cream man's head. Yeah, uh, no gore. It's like it's like plaster of Paris. Yeah, yeah. So it's like hell, or I don't know if those (laughs) bullets are magical or hell's just like some kind of wacky cartoon, and just it's like that. See that? He just like punched that guy's stomach plug out. (laughs) Yeah, it's on the floor (laughs) back there behind him. Well, back at the cop car, Hellcop makes a pentagram sign in the air, and that's the magic symbol to unlock his Tesla. I mean, make his door handles appear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's cool. That's how he he gets, like, it does, like, that cool, like, little, like, all you gotta gotta do is do that, and, like, yeah, the door handles appear magically and shit. I like that. Yeah. Well, he, he stuffs Rachel in the back seat, and they drive away just before Charlie arrives. Royce's gang stops Charlie and they drag him out of the car. Everybody's got a knife somewhere, including a guy who's down on the ground with a bone saw near Charlie's wiener. (laughs) 
Uh, Royce says he'll let Charlie go if Charlie agrees to owe him one. Now, Charlie agrees, so Royce boops his nose with the hilt of his sword and then tells his gang to turn him loose. And before he drives off, Charlie also recognizes Clara. I don't guess Rachel recognizes recognized Clara because she never saw the pictures, but Charlie definitely recognizes Clara. Yeah. As as mostly like a, a reveal for the audience at right. that point. Or yeah. Cut to Hellcop driving down a desert road through some really cool metal sculptures. Charlie is catching up to him and he tries to run Hellcop off the road. This is the first of many car chases through this desert. Rachel is trying to mush Hellcop's face. She's reaching through the bars from the back seat, trying to push on his face until she mysteriously just passes out. Hellcop pulls his gun and starts shooting up Charlie's car. He shoots out a window and a headlight and he shoots a hole in the fender. There's a semi stopped blocking the road with the sign that says caution red waste and Hellcop shoots the trail. They're headed straight for this thing. And you think, oh, somebody's going to hit a ramp and jump and bust through the trailer, right? No, Hellcop shoots it and it explodes. Movies lied to me again. (laughs) You set up my expectations and then surprised me. Stop toying also, with my it, emotions, Hellcop. It's like a wimpy like explosion. It's just like a bunch of like Roman candles going off. It's not really like a fireball going to it. It's not just, really, like, yeah. Uh, but there are, there are some red smoke bombs after. Yeah, but it's like in movies, explosions. You see explosion, you're like, oh hell yeah! And this one's kind of like it was like a fart. You know, it was like what? <laughs> and not a big rumbler either. It was a little squeaker. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I got a little hot in here a little bit. And it like, it just disappeared. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It, it was like a nice, clean explosion with fireworks. <laughs> yep. Hellcop dry, drives right through the flaming trailer. And Charlie runs off the road and his car stops, stalls because, well, all the oil and coolant is pouring out on the ground. Because, you know, where Hellcop shot it. Yeah. Well, Charlie heads off foot and he finds an emergency call box. So he uses it and the operator's a real jerk face. <laughs> he said, all the, car, all the oil ran out of my car. Said, well, I guess you're walking, buddy. And about that time, Charlie turns around and sees a tow truck that is hooked up to his car and is driving off with it. Charlie really sucks as a hero, too. Yes, Charlie is a really, really bad hero. He's, he's like... um. The Jerry Lewis of you. Like, he just keeps on getting lucky, and, like, he really doesn't do anything. Like, just the story happens to him. Exactly, yeah. Rachel saves herself as much as Charlie saves her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he can't even work on his own car. He's got to have his girl do it. Also, I mean, that's not even his car. That's, like, some old dude's car. You know, right? and, like, shotgun is magic, and, like, eh, I don't know. He just, he sucks. Yep. I mean, it was 1991 and Charlie was driving a 70s Chevy Nova or Chevy, not Chevy Nova, Ford Pinto. Ford Pinto. Yeah. I mean, God. Be a lot cooler if it was a Chevy. Yeah. Get it together, (laughs) Charlie. Damn. (laughs) Well, Charlie stops the tow truck driver and says, that's my car. That's my car. And he says, oh, sorry. I normally get to keep all the stuff I find out here. You want me to fix it for you? 
And he said, yeah, sure. So he puts his, he takes his kid out of the cab of the truck and sets him on the back of the tow truck and tells Charlie, you can sit up front. <laughs> so the boy sits in the back with the dog and Charlie sits up front. They go to this guy introduces himself as Beasel and they drive off and they pass a bunch of Andy Warhols picking up trash on the side of the road. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. There was like a thing there where they're like, well, hell's got to have demons and stuff. And the guy was like, oh, we'll just make them a bunch of people that look like Andy Warhol. And they'll be like, <laughs> hell's dependent. And yeah. they're like, like the guy's like, he's like, I don't get that. And, and they're like, just trust me, it's going to work. <laughs> it kind of works. <laughs> it does work. Well, they pull into Beasel's gas station and garage and Meanwhile, Rachel is in the back seat of the cop car watching a commercial on the cop car's TV for Fired Brood Sticks beer. It's a third more toxic than any other beer. Beasel fixes up Charlie's car. Charlie says, you seriously going to look at my car? He said, I didn't say I was going to look at it. I said I was going to fix it. <laughs> also, he won't let Charlie pay him for fixing the car. I don't know if Charlie even has any money. Uh, but Charlie... Tries to get some info on Hellcop. Beasel asks, kind of deflects that question and asks if Charlie and Rachel ever had sex. And Charlie says, oh, yeah, we had tons of sex. We do it all the time, sometimes three or four times a day. He actually says all that. I mean, it, it's all it's obvious <laughs> bullshit. Obvious bullshit. Yeah. Charlie and Rachel are both virgin. Uh, Beasel plays along and says, well, you know, in that case. She should be just fine because Hellcop usually only takes virgins. Charlie immediately turns green. He's just like, he looks sick. You're like, oh, gosh, she's so dead. <laughs> yeah. He just realized it. Yeah, he turns like the same color of his shirt almost. He's like, oh, shit, she's dead. Yep. Well, Charlie's back on the road to find Hellcop, but there's somebody hanging on the side of the car, ducked oh, down God. below the window. And, and it's very obvious and also totally not addressed. Yeah, it's not addressed because everybody's trying to ignore that kid because he's annoying as hell. <laughs> On another part of the road, the Good Intentions Paving Company is paving the road to hell with dead, stupid people who meant well. That's funny as shit. It's yeah, it's like there's the Andy Warhols, and then there's like a just like this long line of people, and each one you get like a little backstory why they're getting paved, you know, and it's it's funny as shit. Yeah, I mean, there's a woman in a negligee who said, Well, of course, I slept with my husband's boss, but it was only to advance his career, and she goes on. Next guy, yeah. of course, I let Susie drink the bleach, she had to learn the lesson somehow. All right, that one go got on. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that one got me too and they're all going up these stairs where they get pushed into a hopper and chopped up and turned into asphalt awesome well charlie slows down as he's driving by all of this and when we do we find out it's adam hanging onto the outside of the car and he pops his head in the window and says, hi charlie <laughs> Like, where's that magic shotgun when you need it? I mean, they, they, they just like, <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't say that. No, this kid, yeah, no. Nah. There's a reason this kid's in hell. He's annoying as shit. <laughs> he climbs in through the window and explains that he can help Charlie find Rachel. And a severed leg lands on the hood of his car. 
wearing fishnet stockings and, and red thumps. And he reaches out and he grabs it and he tosses it off to the side and it lands standing up on its own. And I immediately thought of that scene in Beetlejuice where he's in the waiting room and there's the the showgirl there who had been severed at the waist and her torso yeah. is on one side of him and her legs are on the other side of him. <laughs> it reminded me of that lamb. <laughs> Fragile. Fragile. <laughs> Must be Italian. Italian. <laughs> yeah. Well, Charlie drives on and encounters a rain shower. It's raining in hell. Yeah, I like this. This, I mean, it, it sucks because it's got that kid in it. But like the kid gives him like his backstory and stuff. Yeah. But it's like it's really dreamy, slow motion raining thing. And it looks like it's raining like oil or like motor oil. And stuff. It almost and like, does. Yeah. And it's like really quiet. Like they stop playing that god awful music and it just it's like really eerie. It's like, oh, so that's what it's like when it rains in hell. Yeah. Well, Charlie's wipers really don't work well at all, of course. Yeah. Um, as this scene progresses, like you said, Adam tells the story of how you know they were traveling and and Hell Cop showed up and killed everybody except for him. And then he took he took Adam and gave him to Beasel. And as the scene goes on, if you look at the windows, if you focus on the windows, it becomes very clear that they're inside a car wash because there's soap bubbles running down the windows. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's a great place to, to film a, a raining scene if you don't have the water bill money to put up rainmakers. Huh? And they don't. <laughs> He explains that Beasel fixes stuff and he's teaching Adam to fix stuff too. And Charlie offers to take Adam with them when he and Rachel leave hell. Adam thinks that's just swell, mister. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yeah, like Chad, the way Chad Lowe looks and the way that kid acts is very heavy. Like, leave it to Beaver. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like they, they're like some kind of like relic of a bygone era or something. And then like this weird, cra crazy hellscape is like the modern day, you know? Right. Well, Charlie stops at Hoffa's, a nightclub slash casino slash strip club with a giant Jimmy Hoffa slot machine outside. <laughs> I like it. I can dig it. Is holding a Tommy gun up in his right arm, and the Tommy gun comes down, and the reels on the slot on his chest spin. That's fun. That's cool. Hellcop is inside, so Charlie leaves Adam and Mr. Ben in the car while he goes in with the shotgun. He's hiding the shotgun behind his back with both hands. Not at all suspicious. Oh, hell no. It was like that guy <laughs> from that last movie when he tried to set that school on fire. It was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'll just wrap this gas can up in my coat. Uh, you don't oh know God. if you haven't seen this movie, you don't know just how right Jesse is right now. Uh, but we'll get to that one in a second. Yeah. <laughs> Inside, the bartender is cleaning his ears with a towel and smoking a cigar that isn't lit. He answers a phone that doesn't ring and tells the caller that Jimmy, Jimmy Hoffa, Jimmy ain't here. <laughs> Which reminds me of that Bugs Bunny cartoon where the guy answers the phone. Uh, Tuffy's Tavern, Finnegan speaking, Tuffy ain't here. <laughs> <laughs> I love those guys. Yeah. Inside, there's a bunch of Old West outlaws and one of them, there's a bunch of strippers in cages. 
And one of the Old West outlaws tries to grab a handful of stripper boob and his hand bursts into flames. Rachel is also in one of the stripper cages, but she's got her clothes on and she's handcuffed to the bars. Charlie tries to bust her out and that's when Hellcop shows up. He picks Charlie up and throws him across the room and then shoots him in the chest and carries Rachel out to the car as little Adam sneaks into the bar. Outside, Hellcop stuffs Rachel into the cop car and drives off as the Hoffa slot machine spins and the reels land on I heart H-E-L-L. Inside Hoffa's Bezel has arrived. Adam explains that he was just here to help out Charlie and he was definitely going to come back, Bezel. <laughs> oh, God. The Bezel carries Charlie over to a table and tells Charlie, I can fix anything. I can fix cars. I can fix people. I can fix anything. And he grabs Adam's hand and he puts it over the gunshot wound in Charlie's chest. And magic happens. Cut to an old-style hotel page, paging Idi Amin to the white courtesy phone. Idi Amin, white courtesy phone. Oh, man. This is Buddy Douglas, a dwarf actor who appeared in two Sid and Marty Croft productions. He was in H.R. Puffin Stuff and Lidsville. You remember Lidsville, where they were all the giant hats? No, I remember H.R. Puffin Stuff, and I remember uh, Sigmund the Sea Monster. Oh, my God. Yeah. With, uh, had uh, what's his name as the bad guy? Rip Torn? No, no, it was uh, Charles Nelson Riley. Yes, yeah, Charles Nelson Riley was the bad guy. He was always trying to steal that talking flute. That yeah. was H.R. Puffin stuff. Puffin stuff, yeah. Oh, man, those shows are classic. Yes, they are. They were so damn creepy. I can't. We loved that stuff, too. I yeah. loved that when I was a kid. It was like uh, the off-brand version of the Muppets. You know, it was like right. super but sugary. Uh, Sid and Marty Croft, they did everything huge. They actually yeah. sued McDonald's and won. Oh, man, yeah. No, we could talk like for hours about that shit. <laughs> yeah, they sure did. And that's where McDonald Land went. Why McDonald Land went away. <clears throat> yeah, they started slowly phasing it out. He also appeared in Planet of the Apes, the Tony Randall show, The Graduate, and Ernest Saves Christmas. Oh, yeah. He's paging Idi Amin, of course, a military dictator who was president of Uganda from 1971 to 79. He didn't get elected. He found out that the current president was going to have him arrested for diverting military funds. So he staged a military coup and made himself president. Yeah. Horace Whitaker played him in a movie one time. It was pretty bad. Oh, wow. Yeah. I imagine I that would be. Him. I like Forrest Whitaker. Called The Last King of Scotland. Yeah. Uh, they won a bunch of awards. But yeah, that guy's definitely in hell. Yeah, he is considered one of history's most brutal despots due to his policies of political and ethnic persecution, which resulted in somewhere between 100,000 and a half a million people being put to death under his rule. Yikes. <laughs> Charlie is laying shirtless on the bar. The club is mostly empty except for one table where Attila the Hun, played by Ben Stiller, Cleopatra, hey. played by Amy Stiller, Yo. and Adolf Hitler, played by Gilbert Gottfried, are all playing poker. That's not Hitler. 
yeah, he's he's trying to convince everybody that he's not Hitler. In fact, he met Satan one time, and as he was about to leave, Satan turned to him and said, "See you later, Bob." Yeah, definitely. He's like going on and on. That's definitely funny. not <laughs> Hitler. <laughs> definitely not. But yeah, uh, that's great. Uh, ben Stiller as a Telenahan, that's cool. Like they liked him so much. Doing the cook thing that he got a double, uh, you know, another uh, gig. Right. Acting so nice, he, they used him twice. Gilbert Godfrey, man, anything <laughs> he shows up in, I'm, I'm, I'm down for it. Absolutely. And he's playing Hitler. I mean, not Hitler. <laughs> and it's like, he's not even trying to do like, uh, like sound like Hitler. He's just being himself yelling. Yes, he's I mean, definitely, he's I got the squinty actor. eyes and everything. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> Uh, that was great. Yeah. Beazel and Adam are off tossing a ball around on the other side of the club. And when Charlie wakes up, Beazel comes over and tries to convince Charlie to give up on Rachel and head back home. Of course, that doesn't work. So he tells Charlie about the road to nowhere, which is actually a shortcut to Hell City. At the next table over from the poker game, camera stops on some seat assignment cards there are four seats at this table and they are all reserved one is reserved for imelda marcos wife of the corrupt president of the philippines ferdinand marcos she's the one who had closets full of shoes bought with taxpayer money yeah there's a seat for pw botha the former prime minister of south africa who oversaw the implementation of their apartheid policy. There's a, a yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a seat reserved for Muammar Gaddafi, a military leader of Libya, and there's a seat reserved for Jerry Lewis, and that card's written in French. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody on that on that table is dead now. Yeah, everybody on that table is dead. Outside Hoffa's, Charlie is leaving, but Adam is going to stay behind with Beazel. Also, Royce and his crew have arrived. Charlie heads down the road, and we find out that Royce is actually jealous that Beazel is going to send Adam back up to do his work instead of sending Royce. And turns out Beazel might actually be Satan. Beazel? Yeah, Beazel, bub. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Royce and his crew catch up with Charlie, and Charlie refers to them as the Lost Boys of Hell. I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of his thing, yeah. One of them pulls in front of Charlie, and <laughs> one of the gang just stands up on the, on the car that they're driving, turns around facing Charlie, and pees green stuff all over Charlie's windshield. Huh? Charlie reaches out to wipe it off the windshield. Then he realizes what he's touching. And ooh. <laughs> There's also a dentist in a motorcycle sidecar who is reaching through the window with a really long dental drill. I guess trying to do a root canal. But Charlie turns off on the road to nowhere. And the, the Royce and his gang, they stop dead. They're not going that way. I think their only job was to make sure Charlie took the road to nowhere. Yeah. Charlie heads into the canyon. He gets out of his car because the car, the 
it stops, you know, the road stops at this entrance to the to the cave and Hellcop's car is stopped there also. Charlie walks into this cave and he finds Clara there on a motorcycle. She warns him not to take the road to nowhere because if he takes the road to nowhere, he's going to have to make a choice. And if he loses, he and Rachel will both be stuck here in hell. Well, you can't convince Charlie that he's making a bad decision. So he heads off anyway. He comes to a door, just, just a wooden door in the side of this stone cave. And he opens it and finds a stairway. And there are discarded clothes all over this stairway. Somebody couldn't wait to get to the bedroom. At the top of the stairs, there's a hallway with several doors. And Charlie opens one of the, stair- one of the doors to find Rachel wearing a black gown and tied to a great big bed. But she doesn't want to get away. She just wants Charlie to make love to her. Nothing else matters. If, if they have sex, the devil won't want her anymore. So let's do that right now. Right now. Charlie thinks he hears something outside the room and he gets up to investigate. And that's when Hellcop busts through the wall like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> yeah. Spot on Kool-Aid man style. <laughs> yeah. Charlie and Hellcop fight and Hellcop just beats Charlie's ass. No, no contest. He just beats Charlie's ass, grabs him by the legs and starts spinning him around. Uh, at some point, though, Charlie manages to get Hellcop's revolver. And when Hellcop tosses Charlie across the room, Charlie shoots Hellcop with the Hellcop gun and zaps him off to somewhere. It leaves his boots and his handcuffs behind, though. And they're just sitting on the floor smoking. Now that the fight's over, Rachel manages to get loose. Charlie didn't untie her. She just got loose. And now she really wants to have sex. Charlie's got some blood on his face where he got punched up a bit. And, and she doesn't mind that at all. She starts licking the blood off her fingers. Charlie says, hey, I got your bracelet that means so much to you. And she says, oh, cool. And tosses it down and goes back to kissing him. And that's when Charlie thinks something might be up. He catches a glimpse of Rachel in the mirror, except it's not Rachel. It's a big, ugly demoness. Oh, man. Great makeup. Again, that whole bodysuit thing was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the guy that played the mummy in the Monster Squad uh, was the guy that played the demoness. And yeah, he, he spent hours in that to get into that thing. He, he had to be really small frames to fit in the thing. Damn, it's uh, creepy. They nicknamed it uh, uh, Ernest Borgnine or something. <laughs> okay. I mean. Because the guy that was wearing it, it's, it's, it's like, man, I look like Ernest Borgnine with fat tits. and uh, Yeah, that's, that's what, what I was him. thinking. Because the demoness and Ernest Borgnine, they have the same boobs. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's creepy. It's up there with like, uh, like that old lady from The Shining, you know. It's just. Yes. Well, during his fight with the with Hellcop, the mirror in the a big mirror in the room got broken. Oh no! The demoness comes after Charlie, and she breaks the mirror. Yeah, with her tail. It just shatters the mirror with her tail. It's got a badass tail. It does all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And she she still she doesn't care that Charlie knows what she is now. She just wants to have sex with Charlie. The demoness wraps her tail around Charlie's neck. And starts choking him. She's over top of him and choking him. 
Charlie manages to grab a piece of the broken mirror and cut her tail off. I love that because like it, they cut the tail off and it comes back to a wide shot. And then while the Demis is over here screaming and stuff and you see Charlie in the back with like green blood on him and a knife. Yeah. In the foreground blinking, you miss it. But the tail is like scurrying off like a like a whip dog. Like, ow, 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 ow. it's so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then Charlie picks up the shotgun and shoots the demoness. And then she does like this weird like backflip into the bed where it is now portal to a fiery pit. And yes. she just like spinning like a cartoon character, like a Bugs Bunny like type thing. It was funny as shit. <laughs> it was. He just. She shoots him and he shoots her and it just propels her backwards and she lands on the bed, which immediately just caves in. And then, but yeah, that, it's, it's the Bugs Bunny down the down the hole thing. That part with the tail is like I missed it <laughs> back in the day. But like watching it for the show, I noticed it. And I was like, oh, my God, I think it's because it's in widescreen. Right. You know? Yeah. But I was like, it's so genius the way they did that. man. like it, it was. was. It was great. Thing. Well, Charlie recovers the bracelet and leaves as the rest of Hellcop's gear disappears, along with the clock on the wall. I don't know what that was about. Uh, time, like he's uh, he's got like what? Yeah, but there some- there are no hands on that clock. Yeah, I, I I didn't get that part. That one was lost on me. Charlie gets back to his car and watches as Hellcop's car also disappears. So Charlie gets the hell out of there. And heads back down Route 1313 towards Hell City, chased by an army of Volkswagen Beetles. That's I love this. Yeah, they had like buy a, a bunch of these, but some of them like were actually people that lived in like Arizona or whatever they were filming this. At. And yeah. like they actually got to drive their own Volkswagens in this. And like that would be it. Like Hell, the or the Highway to Hell would just yeah. be like a 13 lane highway with nothing but like. Mean ass Volkswagens, <laughs> like just beating the shit out of you and riding, laying on their horn like crazy. Yeah, they just put out a general call for anybody, you know, a casting call for anybody who had a Volkswagen Beetle. Just show up, and we'll put you in this movie. And people showed up. Yeah, there's so many Volkswagen Beetles. <laughs> Cut to Rachel in the cop car. She's watching the cop car TV again, and she's being given a choice. She can choose between being trapped in a boring life, barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, married to Charlie, or forget that loser and become a famous violinist. Yeah, I didn't see like, it seems like that was something that was like they maybe should have hinted at before or something, or maybe they did and it got cut. But like that whole thing where it's like, yeah, she had like aspirations to be like a, like, you know, a, a cello player or whatever it's like where'd that come that's like out of left field or something right right there's no there's no um no base no background for that no real context for it you know yeah this is this is actually the first time we ever hear that she's a musician they should have set that up way earlier or just not gone with that just like have something else like like hey you want to be like a you know a boring ass housewife or yeah, you know, be like uh, Madam of Hell and just like take over Hell and stuff. It seemed like, but nah, I just want to be a famous, you know, musician. Yep, we could have done that on Earth, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, one of the Volkswagen Beetles chases Charlie all the way to a cliff and he stops just before he goes over. He gets out of the car and looks across this ravine and on the other side is Hell City, kind of like looking kind of like a Wizard of uh, uh, Emerald City backdrop thing. Yeah, that's pretty cool looking. Well, Charlie heads down to the river at the bottom of the ravine and people are boarding Charon's boat to head across the river Styx. He, he heads up there and he gets stopped by another fantastic special effects bit. He gets stopped by Cerberus, the three-headed dog. Yeah, uh, good animation. The model is a little spotty. Like the dog heads look like loaves of bread in some parts. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. the animation on it is pretty good. It's kind of clunky, you know, kind of. It's got kind of a folk art dog look to it. Yeah. Imagine you were trying to make Cujo using that uh davy and goliath dog yeah that's pretty much yeah <laughs> like man that looks like a really badass davy and goliath dog <laughs> but ben who he told to stay in the car i don't know why the dog didn't listen but the dog jumps up on a railing and distracts cerberus long enough for charlie to get past him charlie says thanks buddy i owe you one now go wait in the car <laughs> I mean it this time. Yeah. Charlie comes up to Charon, a guy with his eyelids sewn shut, and agrees to. Uh, well, Charon stops Charlie and tells him, Look, you can't get through here. Only the dead people can get through here. It's a rule. Oh, by the way, rules are meant to be broken. Come on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that guy, man. Uh, the guy that played Charon. Yeah. Uh, he played the Predator in Predator 1 and 2. Oh, nice. And he was also that big black guy from uh, Misfits of Science. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. I think I have, yeah. It was like an old, it's kind of like the X-Men, but not. It was like an old, it, it ran like maybe one season. But uh, he, yeah, he was on that show. He was. Uh, his thing was, he's a giant. So uh, he's trying to make himself small and ended up, he, he became like a guy that could shrink. Okay. So huh. I don't know. But yeah, he's, he's kind of famous in a bunch of stuff. He's, uh, yeah, he, he kind of nailed it as that guy. I like, uh, like once they get on the boat, you know, and they go into the thing and it's got the, the, the billboard above it where it's like electric billboard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Charon lets him on the boat, but tells him, look, he tells him there is no way back. And they get on the boat and start paddling down the river and they come to a, like a, 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 cave almost with an, an an electronic sign over the top that says abandon hope all ye who enter here yeah the, the sign from the the entrance of the coliseum so charon takes charlie and drops him off so that he can sneak into hell city and <laughs> apparently the entrance to hell city is a museum and there are a bunch of guards from throughout history guarding the apple that satan convinced eve to take a bite of yeah it's it's kind of like that one level in uh legend is Zelda where it's like you gotta walk past the guards but like there's literally two guards from every time period and they're all on the same patrol it's like you're gonna get busted no matter where you look at it yep and just like you mentioned in our last film where the guy wrapped up the gas can in his jacket charlie has wrapped up this shotgun in his jacket, but he's still holding it like it's a shotgun. Yeah. Oh, man, dude. They, 
gotta get better subterfuge in these movies, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know. They both seem to work, but also it's like they're the dumbest heroes ever. <laughs> well, the guards, you know, Charlie's not good at sneaking, so the guards see him and they chase him round and round until he runs through a door and bars it with a mop handle or something. And he finds Rachel. Rachel is in this lavish bedroom playing a violin. And she sees Charlie, but Charlie doesn't trust that it's her until he can see her reflection in a mirror. Sure enough, this is the real Rachel. Well, they're having their, their happy reunion, and Satan enters and interrupts it. But he doesn't look anything at all like Bezel now. He's in his Satan makeup with six little horns coming out of his forehead. and It's a good makeup, too. Yeah. Uh, big devil eyes from like, uh, you know, got the lenses in and shit. Yeah. It's kind of like, it reminds me of, uh, Satan in that, uh, Chuck Norris movie, but like more nineties, you know? Right. Yeah. It's a good makeup. It doesn't look at all like a mask. He tells Charlie that Charlie will never be able to keep Rachel away from him. But Rachel says she really wants to go back with Charlie. So satan agrees to let them both go on one condition you don't look back turns out that's a trick though satan's really not gonna yeah after they're gone you see the little mirror on the on the uh dresser that charlie used to to verify rachel's authenticity (laughs) (laughs) and he takes it and he gives it a spin and when it stops satan is bezel again told you it's bezel bub (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible joke, and I'm going to keep using it. I'm not going to apologize. Either. Hey, you know, they brought this on themselves, naming the character Bezel. <laughs> I mean, that's like, hey, call me Dr. Satan or something. It's like, yeah, come on. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, no. Yeah, so they get outside, and there's Hellcop's car. Uh, Rachel stumbles, and Charlie, of course goes back to help her and she says what are you doing don't look back it's too late here come all the zombie monster demons after them. they're yeah, coming um, from everywhere that kind of sucks it seems like like because they've had so many cool effects and stuff and then like these zombie demon things look just like slim good body you know <laughs> yeah yeah they do that was and a I'm creepy like- guy too yeah, but it's just like guys in tights with like uh, Aerosmith or not like Van Halen guitar pattern like over them and stuff. It's not right. really that scary. Hellcop's like the scariest thing in this movie. Well, Hellcop is super scary. Demon Lady, I mean, that's scary as hell, but yeah, it's just a guy in tights. Also, yep. uh, one's on top of the car and they go through a tunnel and he explodes like that That uh, ice cream guy's head did. It's yeah. just like a puff of dust. Yeah, so the only vehicle in there is Hellcop's car. And, of course, it doesn't have door handles, but that's okay because Rachel memorized the pattern. Watch this. And she makes a pentagram in the air, and they they get into Hellcop's car, which Rachel immediately hotwires, and they take off. They're driving toward a wall, and Charlie's freaking out and says, there's no way out. And she says, yeah, there is. Trust me. Just keep going. And the wall isn't really a wall. This is where the guy on top of the car gets splatted, like you were saying. They drive through the wall, jump across the river sticks, and land in a cave entrance on the other side, right where Charlie's car is parked. Convenient. 
Very convenient. Well, they get out of Hellcop's car. Don't know why. I would have kept that hot rod. Oh, yeah. They get out of Hellcop's car and Charlie shoots the engine blowing up Hellcop's car. They get back inside old Sam's hot rod and take off down the road. Well, Hellcop must have been, he must not have been too far behind. Because the next thing we see is a bunch of dwarf mechanics working on Hellcop's car. (laughs) (laughs) They're all under the hood and everything, but Hellcop is impatient. So he starts tossing them all aside, starts the car, and takes off after Charlie and Rachel. Charlie and Rachel are going down the road, and an Emerald City-looking building just appears in the middle of the road. They stop the car and get out, and a doorman opens the door, revealing Bezel and adam charlie wants to take adam with him but adam says you know i promise to stay here with Beazle." and charlie says well i promise to take you with me and adam goes you mean it mister really gosh almighty and he's with that he's with charlie now Beazel reveals to them that he is in fact satan and then we get the satan monologue revealing his evil plan that he uh is very disappointed with royce and that he needs a son to send back up to do his work, that he's intending to send Adam, but he also wants to have a son with Rachel, provided Rachel can give him a son, because he doesn't always get one. Yeah, this guy wants his cake and he needed to. At least yeah. like him giving his monologue is like got like some bad backgrounds on here, like like really right. mean and yeah, yeah, they do. And this is where you get some of the green screen backgrounds that, I mean, you can obviously tell they're green screen, but it's a nice, it's nice landscape shots. Yeah. Satan agrees to a deal. Charlie has to race Hellcop. If he makes it to the portal and gets out, he and Rachel can go free and they can take Adam with. If they lose, what do I get? And and Charlie says, well, you can keep Adam. He says, well, I'm not interested in that deal. I've already got Adam. And Rachel says, well, you can keep me too. And that's all he needs. He's, he's good from that point. So the race is on and they all head off. At the starting line, Clara comes up to the window and tells Rachel to say hello to Sam for her. And Beazel pops his head up on, Char- on the other side with a goofy grin, offering says, Charlie, How about if I make you the quarterback of the Rams? Will you let me keep Rachel and Adam then? The only problem is Charlie's a 49ers fan. No dice. Yeah. Uh, Like, yeah, back at the beginning of the movie, he starts off with this goofy-ass 49ers hat. Uh, Yep. Kind of like forgot that. But yeah, like they just throw that in that line. line. I don't know. That really dates this movie, I think, out of everything that's been in it. Well, it kind of got reused in there's something about Mary. Yeah. What about Brett Favre? What did I tell you the first time we met? I'm a Niners fan. Well, that doesn't work. So the race is on. Charlie and Rachel take off. Adam's in the back seat and they head off down the road. Um, Hellcop in hot pursuit. Royce, Royce is not happy about this at all. He tries to convince Satan to let him go back up instead of Adam. Uh, Beazel tells Royce that he was a great disappointment and Royce just loses his shit and tells the gang to kill Satan and they all just nope and turn around and leave. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, fine. Royce hops on his motorcycle with Clara and they head off after Charlie and Rachel. They pull up on the road next to Hellcop, who points his gun at Royce, but Royce reminds Hellcop, you owe me, so he goes on. He pulls up next to Charlie and Rachel and tries stabbing the car with his sword as they're traveling at high speed, because why wouldn't that work? Yeah, he's totally gone off the deep end. Even though he's like some kind of badass uh, biker in hell, he's he's going over his means, man. He's like, he's getting crazy. Yeah. Sloppy. Clara's had enough of this, so she takes off her scarf and wraps it around Royce's face causing him to lose control of the motorcycle, and they go off a cliff, killing them both, stabbing Royce with his own sword. Probably the only person that sword has ever stabbed, too. Probably, yeah. Hellcop catches up and rams Charlie while Rachel gets the shotgun. She's in charge of loading the shotgun and handing it to Charlie so that Charlie can drive and shoot. I would have just let her shoot. Oh, yeah. No, it's fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer, man. Like, She's got a bigger body count than you any damn way. (laughs) And she's better than Charlie at everything, apparently. At everything, yes. (laughs) I'll let the little kid drive, man. I mean, it's not that hard. (laughs) Indiana Jones did it. I know. Thank you, Dr. Jones. (laughs) Well, they only have one special shotgun shell left, and Rachel drops it on the floor. Meanwhile, Hellcop is shooting up their car. Rachel is searching for the dropped shotgun shell when she finds the secret in this car. There's a tank of nitrous oxide underneath the seat. Are you kidding me? (laughs) The whole time. (laughs) The whole damn time. This was the the something special Sam was trying to tell him about. Well, at least he didn't find out about it until he got to the race because knowing his dumb ass, he'd probably done it to like get to the hell city faster and he would have fucked it up probably so yes Bezel appears to be celebrating his impending victory when rachel flips the switch for the nitrous and they take off and disappear through the portal back to the real world landing at night right by the cop who was chasing charlie in the beginning of the movie right before they go through that portal though they get they try to do the thing where it's like they make the the slow-mo space thing you know right make like cartoons and like they perfected that now now it's like they got like you know special cameras and shit and they just blow you in the face with but this one they didn't have that special camera so the the trick kind of comes off really awkward and cheesy you know it's like it's but yeah they do that they blow through the portal jump right there in front of the cop that to the cop, like just mere seconds ago, this car disappeared in front of him. Right. But Charlie's been in hell for like forever. But Beasel told him, you know, hell, uh, time is kind of hard to keep track of. The cop orders him out of the car and tries to arrest him just as the alarm clock goes off. They made it back just before their 24 hours was up. But they're not free yet because the cop takes pulls Charlie out of the car and handcuffs him to the car. And Hellcop comes pop flying through the portal, leaving flaming back to the future tire tread marks on the road. Way more badass, though. Like half the car's on fire. He just gets out like you don't care. Yeah. Uh, he's Hellcop. He's Hellcop. Well, Real Cop decides he's going to shoot Hellcop 
But yeah, it doesn't do anything. It's just like that bit from Terminator 2 where he's shooting the liquid metal Terminator and he just kind of kind of turns a little bit and keeps coming. Yeah. Uh, well, the guy that plays Hellcop did play Jason Voorhees one time. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Well, he tosses the real cop aside, knocking him out. He lands on top of his own cop car. Then Hellcop goes for Charlie. Charlie grabs something and smacks Hellcop in the face with it, breaking his glasses. And that's when blue light starts shining out of him. Adam had told Charlie during the car chase that if you break Hellcop's sunglasses, that you could, that'll kill him. And Charlie said, why, didn't, why are you just now telling me this? He says, because I'm on your side now. Oh, now. At now. The movie. Okay. Now I'm okay. on your side. Yeah. I hate you, kid. <laughs> so the the lens is cracked on one side of his sunglasses and he's and blue light is streaming out of him. He's choking Charlie out against the hood of the car, then pulls out his big ass helicopter gun, points the barrel right at Charlie's face. And that's when Rachel pops up with the shotgun, shooting helicopter in the face breaking his glasses and he gets destroyed uh in a thrashing wailing way kind of like judge dread at the end of who framed roger rabbit exactly like that yeah well rachel kisses charlie as the sun rises over Hellcop's flaming car and Bezel is looking over his loss with his butler standing behind him holding an umbrella he's on a sand dune with a cigar and a glass of, or a glass of liquor he has like a whole tea table setup going on he does his butler just standing there holding that dainty umbrella <laughs> fade to black and we get an epilogue scrolling across the screen charlie and rachel got married charlie made three video games inspired by their adventure one of them called hell on wheels that's the same video game that the cop was playing at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. so apparently charlie yeah. went back on back in time and invented it he also made a game called Dog in Hell and another one called I'd Rather Be Living. <laughs> Rachel opened a chain of hot as hell pizzerias and sometimes serenades customers on her violin. Adam went to live with his aunt and uncle in Cleveland and he sends a postcard to Ben every Tuesday, even though he has his own dog. Now. Mr. Ben stars in his own dog food commercials and Sam still stays up late warning people about the highway to hell. And roll credit. This was a fun movie to watch. It's yeah. weird. They put it there. He was a video game thing in there. Like yeah. he became a video game uh, maker. Because this movie and the Super Mario Brothers movie have a, too many like shot for shot uh, scenes in it. Right. Like uh, the police car in this movie. It's like the police car in uh, Super Mario. Uh, the desert wasteland. It's all really weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said in the beginning, this is a very derivative movie, but it's also got some stuff that got used by other movies later on, too. And, you know, some of the crew of this film are just top notch folk. Yeah. Some of the best that they're in, in the business at what they do. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this one. I just hate that musical score and I hate that kid. <laughs> You know, and and the music is is too on the nose later in the movie because, you know, the, there is the bit where Beazle is saying, you know, I want to have a son with Rachel. 
but I don't always get what I want. And then when Rachel and Charlie and Adam get away, the song playing is called You Don't Always Get What You Want. Yeah. But yeah, it is It is a bad soundtrack, uh, bad in a bad way, and really awesome special effects, beautiful uh, locations, mediocre writing. Yeah. And an annoying kid. Totally. Totally annoying kid. But, but good movie. A VW, a VW Beetle car chase, always awesome. Hell yeah. And uh, this guy, uh, guy is not Hitler, so... <laughs> That alone is worth the price of admission. Like, just do it. Just watch this movie. Yeah, definitely. Gilbert Gottfried brought that character back for a roast at some point, too. I'm pretty sure Disney hired him for the role in uh, Aladdin just from that one scene. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, I can definitely see that. All right, man, that's a podcast. Hell yeah. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at CDFPod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to Patreon.com slash CDFPod. Join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made. Oh,